This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for bearing with me over this, I think it's been almost like a month hiatus of uh, not posting a podcast, and my apologies for that. Um, The whole global pandemic thing has uh, been really stressful on pretty much every level of my life. And, uh, yeah... But I'm on the road today, and it is a beautiful April day in Maine, and uh, I'm going to start, like I mentioned in a little mini check-in episode a few weeks ago, um, chatting about top, like general medicine topics that uh, like pertain to the current like global health pandemic epidemiology situation and like why we as veterinarians like especially like livestock veterinarians and those of us who deal with like groups of animals are thinking about this stuff all the time uh, in general anyway from like a biosecurity standpoint and a herd health standpoint and like herd immunity and there's all like all of these phrases have been in the news and so much more <laughs> in the last six weeks than probably the whole rest of my life combined and um I think there's a lot of misinformation out there and I mean part of the reason I started the whole podcast was to try to share what I have learned through experience and formal schooling to try to put good information out there rather than getting in arguments on Facebook with people who say things that are ridiculous my energy is better spent making available scientifically accurate information um so i think i've tried i've like started an episode like tales from the road covid19 edition like multiple times um and maybe right now i'm just like i think this episode is really gonna be like tales from the road covid19 edition like what is this looking like uh from the perspective of mixed practice veterinarian solo practitioner on the road um what are we doing as a profession and yeah i am i'm how is it affecting how is it affecting my professional life it's probably going to spill over into like how is it affecting my farm business that Devin and I run but Devin actually said my Patreon patrons already know Devin actually said like last week we need to do uh, Tales from the Farm COVID-19 edition which is like so crazy that he said that because he like 
doesn't like to talk about stressful stuff whereas I'm like we need to record this for our memoir someday (laughs) so we remember all of these crazy things uh, because you forget and uh, so for Devin to say that that's remarkable but uh, yeah so anyway um, I'm I'm gonna say a couple things I'm going to disclaim, first of all, before I get into these episodes of, uh, like, COVID-19 edition of Goat Talk with a Goat Doc, one thing is I am not a virologist. I am not an epidemiologist. Um, I am not a human medical person in any way. All species but one. Um, The... The... uh, I kid wave at me on his bike... I'm going pretty slow, kid. It's kind of a bumpy road. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I am not an expert in any of those things. We have training in all of those things, and uh, it is it is something that we think about. Herd health is something that we as veterinarians think about probably more often than most human medical doctors. Um, But in any case, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your primary vet or your primary care physician. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR, veterinarian client-patient relationship, with your local vet and whatever they call that with a human medical doctor. And if you have questions about... (laughs) <laughs> your your human medicine stuff don't ask me because I don't know um, like I said anything I'm talking about in these episodes is from a very very general disease perspective um, and health and biosecurity and all of these things and um, yeah so this I'm sorry this is kind of rambly I I have so many things that I want to say about all this stuff but it's also like so hard to get started so I'm just gonna start um, <laughs> I say I'm just gonna start but before I start if you're looking for some really good other podcasts to listen to um, related to covid 19 SARS cov2 um, and like from people that are more qualified than I am um, I highly recommend uh, the following podcasts. And I recommend most of these in general anyway. Uh, First of all, This Podcast Will Kill You is a couple of, uh, I'm pretty sure, PhD infectious MDs or PhDs, infectious disease doctors um, who talk about different infectious diseases. And they have a whole series. I think they're up to eight episodes now about uh, COVID-19 slash SARS-CoV-2. And they're very, very good. They get really good experts in to talk about... um, different aspects of the disease and the virus and the epidemiology and all of these things. Um, So uh, very listenable, very user-friendly. So I recommend that podcast. Um, This podcast will kill you. Uh, Bill Nye on Science Rules is having some people in to talk about COVID-19. Bill Nye is always great. Uh, Science Versus is a podcast that I've liked for a long time, and they're doing episodes about COVID-19 right now, different aspects of it, and recommend that. Those are pretty, like, generally pretty short episodes, too, like 20, 30 minutes, so those are good. 
uh, little little bits um, of info. What else have we got? Um, ooh, this week in virology is a podcast that I. Um, discovered through listening to some of these podcasts about COVID-19, the other podcasts that were already on my playlist, and they, um, they're great. This, this week in virology is these virologists always talking about virology, um, which has been great. Um, Ologies has some good episodes about, uh, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, uh, Stuff You Should Know. If you don't already listen to Stuff You Should Know, I recommend it. They have, they reposted, uh, virus talk with josh and chuck which is an older episode and really good like basic basics about viruses and um and then they have one about covid19 that's a obviously a newer one because this disease has only been around for you know less than six months yeah six five or six months is a novel coronavirus guys it is new it is not the flu it is its own thing and we are not equipped to deal with it so how has that been affecting you how has it been affecting me how has it been affecting the veterinary profession how has it been affecting farmers um these are all like things that I basically didn't stop thinking about from about March 17th till, I mean, I'm still thinking about it all the time, but I was thinking about it in a way that was like overtaking my mind and life and mental health up until like last week (laughs) and really stressing me out and stressing Devin out. And, but I kind of stabilized a little bit now. I've been very frustrated by the whole thing and frustrated by humanity and our inability to like see beyond what is directly in front of us very frustrating but in any case what have we done as what have I done as a veterinarian responding to this what have we done as a farm responding to this how has this affected our uh, our day-to-day lives so the uh, what I've been doing as a vet is trying to follow um, AVMA recommendations, CDC recommendations in terms of social distancing, physical distancing is what our uh, state CDC director, Dr. Nirav Shah, who is awesome, like love him. I'm in a fan group on Facebook. I love him. Um, you know, he started to refer to social distancing as physical distancing because that's really what it is. It is to physically put space between yourself and the people around you because what does that do? It eliminates or greatly decreases the ability of the virus to get from you to the next person. Uh, viruses, I, I should talk about, I'll talk about viruses in general in another episode. Um, but basically, like, they can't live without, like, killing something else. <laughs> like, they get into not necessarily killing, but taking over something else. Um, viruses will get into cells and take over the cell machinery that's there to replicate themselves. And then they burst out and uh, destroy that cell. So 
that's their strategy that's why we call like we describe other things as viruses um god is it in like the matrix when the agent smith says how humanity is a virus i'm gonna have to google that um because like (laughs) that's kind of depressing sorry um but things that are thing we describe things as viruses that just like exponentially increase and go out of control um yeah so how do you stop that you like prevent the it can't do it on its own basically is the thing i'm i'm trying to get at there it needs a human it needs a living host it doesn't have its own cellular machinery to replicate it has to hijack somebody else's so it's um so it can continue to make more of itself because that is its ultimate goal and I've thought about this too like it's so funny to say that something like a virus wants to do something as though it has like feelings and desires like our human language or at least the English language is so limited in trying to describe um the vi- like the virus doesn't care it's just doing what it does it doesn't has no <laughs> no emotional impact on whatever its deal is um, but that's how we that's how we describe it with our limited vocabulary anyway um, so and <laughs> off on a tangent sorry um, the so as as a vet, what my my deal is right now, AVMA, CDC guidelines, um, some states have put in more uh, restrictive guidelines or like requests to veterinarians. Uh, the veterinary field is considered an essential service. Um, we need to keep we coexist with multiple domestic species and we need to keep them healthy in particular uh, we need to keep our food systems healthy and and then we also need to like prevent other public health issues so as a profession like the, and all of this stuff is frustrating because I've I've said to lawyers before like I could never be a lawyer because it's all like oh this is up to interpretation blah 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 no I like it to be if a then b i like there to be answers of things or at least some kind of path to something um the uh there's too much like ambiguity in law for me so that all the avma and cdc guidelines a lot of them there's like room for interpretation and this has been a very interesting thing that i've seen discussed in our, our our profession the veterinary profession and also like i'm in a lot of like vet facebook groups and you know stuff like that what are what are we doing as a profession to try to help try to do what we need to do and take care of our patients and maintain animal health while not negatively impacting and or like hindering in any way this global pandemic that's going on so and that's been interesting lots of interesting discussion in like the uh like rural practitioners livestock practitioners because most of us are on the road i'm always by myself talking to myself in the truck so it's not like i'm spreading anything within my truck just to me um 
the when I am going and I am trying to limit right now things that are not emergent or would have a, a direct effect on animal health. So that is my kind of policy right now. Uh, things that... And, and things that would have a, certainly have an impact on the interface between animal and human health are big for me. I just went and saw some like a, some new patients, and a lot of places are limiting new patients right now. Small animal, large animal, um, non-emergency things are being limited right now because can that wait? Is it essential? That's what I am asking myself in a lot of my behavior right now. Like, is it essential? And you know, there's room for interpretation for that. And some people have a different idea about what's essential. There's been multiple times in the last month where I was like, oh, I'd really love to go get a pedicure, man. And I don't even, like, I'm not a person that gets pedicures. I like, go, like, once every two years or something. But I, but it is not essential for me to get a pedicure. So you better believe I'm not trying to get a pedicure. But these animals that I saw this morning needed their rabies vaccines and that's essential. Like that's an essential preventative disease. I do not want to, as a veterinarian, I do not want to like deny those animals like important preventative care. Um, rural Maine is full of wild animals and rabies vector reservoirs. Like, if, if those animals were exposed to rabies, which is a very preventable disease, then like they, then there's going to be a drain on thing, a way that it impacts human health. So if there's a rabies case, then like the state vet needs to get involved and people who are exposed to those animals might have to go to the hospital for rabies prophylaxis. And it's just a, a drain on something that was and related to human health that was preventable. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put anybody in that situation where they potentially, you know, those, those horses weren't vaccinated for rabies. And then there was a rabid fox out in the field. Like, eh, that's a thing that we just don't, we can prevent dealing with. I can prevent those owners who would then have to contact that horse, I can prevent them or help prevent them, like, hopefully from having to go to the hospital for rabies prophylaxis. You know what I mean? So, like, that's that's my standpoint there. Small animal, same thing. You need your rabies vaccine, you need your rabies vaccine. Um, thing, the, another thing that uh, I'm... I'm obviously seeing emergencies. I'm obviously seeing emergencies for existing clients. Um, the past couple of years, my practice policy has been that I do not see emergencies for not established clients. And that's the whole VCPR thing. Like if you've got a VCPR with me, you better believe that I am there for you as like to whatever extent I possibly can be. Um, getting out of bed at two in the morning and driving an hour to your farm. That's, that's what I do. Um, but if I've never seen you and you're calling me in the middle of the night, it's less likely that I'm going to be available. Um, I am relaxing those standards right now because, one, I'm trying to 
help our profession in general. Like, we are all trying to limit our contact with people. And, like, we... If, I, if I'm seeing emergencies for somebody else or, like, lessen, spreading that out, lessening the load for somebody else, I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, and also, like, I don't know what, I don't know what everybody else is doing. Um, it's not, basically it's not fair to the, to the animals that, like, there's a problem and... A, a human health problem and it makes it harder for the animals I'm trying to help mitigate that to a certain extent to the extent that I can I guess is the is the thing um, what else so I've, I've relaxed my emergency protocols uh, when I'm going to see things I'm asking people to catch up their animals, leave them in, uh, you know, in stalls or tied up or whatever. And, you know, we're outside, so that's better than being inside. And, uh, you know, we're not in a confined area. Uh, I'm wearing a, a surgical mask. I'm wearing gloves. Um, I'm standing far away from people. Two things I've noticed over the last month is... I love touching my face, and I, um, I stand, we stand close to each other. Humans stand close to each other. I'm not, I'm, I would consider myself somewhat of an introvert in general, and I'm not, like, a big hugger or anything like that, but I, um, just in day-to-day, -day, like, existence prior to having a significant infectious disease going all around we stand close to each other it's crazy and then there's crazy videos on youtube and stuff about like how much spittle we spray around just from talking um and that's why we all should be wearing masks now and i'm trying to be good about that um i got some fun harry potter house fabric to make us some reusable surgical masks out of uh <laughs> so that's that's happening um, what else? Um, as far as the small animal side of practice right now, I had also recorded a couple episodes about the change in my, in what I was doing in that part of my professional life. Um, but I am not working at day practice right now. I'm only a working small animal emergency several days a week in addition to my large animal ambulatory several days a week. And right now it's pretty, it's good, but it is, it is an interesting thing there right now. Um, because over the last few weeks, when this whole thing started, I my prediction was that we were going to get slammed. We were going to get hammered hard because of the cutbacks in regular day practice. And I have largely been proven correct. Um, it has been crazy pants bananas at the ER the last several shifts I've been there and uh it's hard it's hard because we're no clients are allowed in the building right now um the technicians go out and get the pets and bring them in and uh we examine them we talk on the phone with owners it's it's a very different process and now they say it takes 21 days to make or break a habit and it's been 21 days and it's almost 
like standard now. It's going to feel weird when people come back in the building. It's been a gradual transition there. Like initially, um, people were allowed in, uh, like one person per animal was allowed in the room. Um, and then we're only allowing people in the building for euthanasias. And now we're just not allowing people in the building at all. And it's a, it's a big change. Um, it's hard because in emergency, we're seeing things that are critical and difficult to talk about sometimes. Sometimes we have to give people bad news and we have to give them bad news over the phone. Uh, so it is a challenge. Um, so, yeah. I had a case last night with a really acutely pretty critical dog that the owner, you know, anytime there's something fast and unexpected that makes the job in the ER that much more difficult and challenging and this owner also had like some personal stuff going on and had to make a decision very quickly whether she was going to let the dog go or try to at least temporarily stabilize the dog and she wanted me to you know it's it's hard to make those decisions in a you know when things are changing within minutes um I went back in the hospital to check on the dog and the staff was like okay this dog is decompensating we need to do something or you know or not basically like make a decision and go or not so you know and the owner isn't allowed in the building and I'm wearing a surgical mask and you know trying to communicate that this this thing going on with her dog isn't good and it's like that's hard under quote-unquote normal circumstances um and it's even harder now so that's that's happening um other things that are happening I guess in the in the fields are kind of like I talked about with the rabies things like we have to and the interpretation of what these guidelines are is we don't realize what the ripple effect of this kind of uh, slowdown shutdown of normal or previously normal human operations is going to be uh, until it happens. Uh, this is a, <laughs> there's been a pause in recording, and this is a different day now, and I'm about to go spend my day uh, spaying and neutering as many greyhounds as I can because they are coming up from Florida where the racetracks are shut down and there's adoptive homes waiting for them, but they can't go out to their adoptive homes until they're altered. So I'm trying to help with that because that like it's got to happen. Where are these dogs going to go? Human. I've heard stories from from vets who work in shelter situations, uh, particularly in other countries, probably that like um, they have had to euthanize. Yeah, particularly in other countries, like people don't please don't get all up in arms about this. Um, in other countries where lockdown has been very uh, strict and militant and what are they going to do with these animals like people are on stay at home orders that are you need to stay in your home and not come out uh, so like 
who's going to take care of these animals? Where are they going to go? And I, vets have had to euthanize animals that otherwise, you know, could have been adopted. On the other hand, too, there's been amazing stories like uh, shelters in areas have been cleared out because people are like, we need to get these animals adopted out because we have to stay home because of this virus. And um, another recommendation, if you're not watching some good news with John Krasinski on YouTube, I recommend checking it out um, because it'll make you cry in a good way a few episodes out now uh, to just remember like with all the doom and gloom there's still there's still good things coming out of everything Uh, I'm trying to listen to the news less and that helps Um, I I read an article over the weekend an an opinion piece about someone who uh, an older person a woman in her 90s who said, I still have lots of life to live and lots of passions. And, uh, you know, she <laughs> didn't appreciate being considered disposable by some of the uh, talking heads on the TV. Uh, yeah, so not to, I'm not going to go down that political path right now. But um, so one thing she said, though, that I thought was very astute and correct was that the virus has brought out the worst in bad people and the best in good people and I think that's true and I think that people are 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 sensationalist uh, money making driven uh, news cycle tends to highlight the bad and the negative because it generates more outrage and hype and clicks and advertising Uh, but it'd be nice if it focused on the good too and it's hard to it's hard to do it because everything is changing and scary and completely insane Um, but you know, it'll. We can figure it out. I hope. Um, I think those are those are my thoughts for the moment. If you have questions or comments or questions about like what we're doing as vets, why are we doing certain things as vets in per in uh, in this situation that's going on right now, feel free to shoot me an email at goat.cara at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at goat underscore doc where I need to run a giveaway because people are still finding me and people are still listening to the podcast and uh, I need to do some more stuff. We have just been like going hard. (laughs) There's other uh, less family-friendly phrases that I could use as in terms of like keeping the dairy going keeping like trying to finish everything there's been delays there hopefully we're about to cross over a point where we can get into legal production um but I will talk about that with Devin on an episode of Tales from the Farm which will hopefully hopefully be coming up soon and yeah that is going to do it for the moment. I hope everyone is doing well. I will talk to you guys next time.